Welcome back to Rotating Reels. We're back again after our triple threat. This week, we're reviewing Space Jam, A New Legacy. I'm one of your hosts, Taylor, calling in from Seattle. We also got Hank calling in from Seattle. Say hi to the people, Hank. What up? And from Portland, Oregon, we got the Tran Man, Keegan Tran. What's up, Tran? Algae Trantham? I don't know. It was better in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are kind of excited to get into our main review today. But before we do that, let's talk about what we've been watching. Uh, I will let Hank go first. Hank, what have you been watching this past week since we had our big, big triple threat? All right. All right. So I've uh, I've got all TV on my what I've been watching list. Uh, I, I didn't get any like extra movies in, but that's okay because I got some real bangers on the TV list. Um, so I'm going to save the best for last. But uh, anyway, I mentioned in previous weeks that I've been watching True Detective season two. Finished that up this week. Um, it's good. I like it. It's not as good as True Detective season one, but uh, what really sold this season for me. Uh, was Vince Vaughn's performance is kind of like a club manager gangster type guy. Like, like he's, he, I don't think he cracks a joke in the entire season, except something that's like very in character. Like, like, the, the, like he's very much a straight man, and it's very interesting to see. Um, so anyway, really enjoyed that. I definitely recommend checking it out if you liked the first season, just with the caveat that it's uh, a bit more like tr- crime mystery and a bit less like horror. Um, what else have I got? Yeah, so I've also mentioned that I was watching the Netflix original animated series Trece, which is based on a Filipino comic book. I also finished that this week. There were only six episodes. I, I was kind of sitting on the sixth episode. Um, so this one, I really, really like the series as a whole. Um, but I felt like the ending was a little bit of a letdown for me. Uh, I, I won't get into too much detail, but uh, if you're tired of like the power of love conquering all, you know, maybe just stop it at episode five and wonder what could have been. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't think that spoils too much, but I think it is a really good series. If they make another season, I will definitely watch it, and I would recommend. You know, honestly, if they make another season, um, I would definitely recommend you even watch the the finale. But if they don't, may, maybe just the first five episodes because they're they're everyone's a banger. Um, <laughs> And uh, anyway, yeah, that one's really cool. Uh, new thing I ha- I've been watching. I've, I've seen a couple episodes here and there before, but uh, it's become my new like background noise television. Been watching American Ninja Warrior. Yeah. Um, you know, just what an amazing display of people doing push-ups or or not push-ups, pull-ups. <laughs> it's just pull-ups, 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 all different kinds of pull-ups, pull-ups on various obstacles. Very entertaining some very talented pull-uppers uh, on this show. <laughs> and I've been watching the season from 2020, uh, which is interesting because, like, they don't have an audience because it's socially distanced. Um, so they have, like, their, their family members, like, Skyping in and watching, and so there's just, like, giant family faces on a screen behind. Anyway, <laughs> it's, it's pretty entertaining. I think that's season 11 or maybe season 12. It's on Hulu if you want to check it out. It, you know, it, it, it's nothing revolutionary, but it's fun. Um, and the last thing that I've watched that I'm going to call out is my personal favorite this week. It's Wellington Paranormal. Um, so it's a spinoff of What We Do in the Shadows, uh, which is a, 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 both a movie and a TV series 
that was pioneered by uh, Jermaine Clements of Flight of the Concords fame and Taika Waititi of Thor fame, uh, as well as uh, Jojo Rabbit. He's, he's done a ton of shit. Taika's super, super fucking talented. Uh, but Wellington Paranormal is a spin-off series from What We Do in the Shadows, which is like their vampire comedy mockumentary. Um, and Wellington Paranormal, it takes place in Wellington, New Zealand, and it follows like two just like beat police officers that kind of get like roped into being the paranormal unit for Wellington. And it's hysterical. It's on HBO Max, and I would really recommend checking it out. Um, it's good. It's really good. I, I don't want to say too much. Like, I'm going to spoil the jokes, and they won't be as funny if I do, but uh, <laughs> you should check it out. Anyway, is, it like this, is it like the same exact vibes as what we do in the shadows? Same exact. Actually, the two police officers show up in the movie. They're the two police officers that oh, come to the vampire's cool. house. Yeah. Okay. Got um, it. But yeah, it's totally the same vibe, same like documentary style, um, except it's following these two cops, and it's great. It's it's great, and that's what I've been watching. Nice, yeah. nice. Okay, Keegan, what you been watching? And remember, uh, for our listeners, if you're new, we got three minutes to go through this. We used to run a little long, so we cracked down on that. Three minutes, Keegan, go. <laughs> Uh, okay, so two major things that I watched this past week. Uh, have you guys heard of this movie, Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar? No. No. Okay. Well, it feels like no one else has ever watched this movie, and it feels like to me that it doesn't exist. This was a surreal <laughs> experience. I had, I had heard one podcaster that I listened to had brought this up as a really funny movie. It stars Kristen Wiig and Annie Mamulo. Uh, they're both SNL alum. I think I don't know if Andy Mamula was a writer or she was a cast member on SNL. Regardless, uh, you know a lot of a lot of good talent there in like the comedy realm, but it's it's really just an SNL skit that goes very very long. The premise is there are these two friends, middle-aged women. They live together. They're both divorced, uh, and they both work at a Macy's uh, selling couches. And they decide, you know, their lives have been boring. They just kind of knit and crochet. So they're going to go to Vista Del Mar, which is this this place in Florida, this beautiful hotel, and they're just going to have the time of their lives. And it's, I think it's two and a half hours, and it is one of the most bizarre watching experiences that I've ever had. Reba McIntyre shows up in the finale. There's Talking Shrimp. Morgan Freeman voices a crab. But it's all played straight. The guy from Fifty Shades of Grey is in there. It's, it literally feels what? like you're watching a comedy attempt at something like Twin Peaks. Like, I... I'm not kidding at all when I feel like this is when I say that this is one of the most surreal watching experiences I've ever had. On top of this, a little bit of a personal note: I watched this in the bathtub on my iPad in way too warm of water, so I had a little bit of a headache. So I, I literally felt like I was just dreaming. I woke up the next morning, didn't know if the movie was real, didn't know what I'd done the night before. It was it just completely made scrambled eggs of my brain. So, did I enjoy it? I don't. Are we know. sure this it's is a, a real movie? It is. I'm looking at the letterbox right now. That's how I know some of the actors' names. Uh, it's on Hulu, free to watch. If anyone wants to make absolute mush of their gray matter, uh, I didn't really like it. I think watching the trailer, <laughs> I, I, I don't think this was a fun experience. But if you want to feel really bad and weird, I guess check this out. It, it's a certain brand of comedy that I think certain people will connect with more than others, uh, and I just don't think it lined up with me. But again, it's it's a pretty singular experience, so. If you're a Twitch, check it out, maybe. Um, 
And then the other thing, really quickly, it was only a 40-minute documentary that I checked out, but it was Chris, what is his name? Chris Hemsworth's Shark Beach. Uh, so Chris Hemsworth made a short 40-minute documentary for Animal Planet for their Shark Week this year. And I used to really like Shark Week. I would tune in every year uh, and watch it with my mom. And I feel like there used to be really fun stuff. I feel like there was actually pretty decent informational programming back then about like, here's bull sharks and here's every time someone's been attacked, it's because they're sitting on a surfboard and they look like a seal. Uh, and it's just, Shark Week is very much not that these days. Um, yeah. And this is kind of like front and center of that uh, change in attitude, I guess. But basically it's just Chris Hemsworth being absolutely gorgeous, driving around Australia in an old land cruiser. He goes to different beaches and talks to different shark experts. So he goes surfing, surfing with a buddy who had been attacked by a great white. Uh, and so they go, they, they tell the story of his attack. They show some footage from the surfing competition, go surfing together. <laughs> this buddy is a three-time world champion in surfing. And the entire time it's close-ups on Chris Hemsworth's ass. Not complaining, but it's, it's pretty funny that this aired on Animal Planet. And the, the only other thing I want to, like, I guess highlight is he brings on this woman. Her name is Valerie. And they, I think that's her name. And she, her and her husband, they're like 80 years old. They were some of the first people in Australia to film sharks underwater, to get in with them, get super close in diving gear, and get good footage of, like, great whites up close in Australia. And so he decides to go diving with her off the coast. She's... I think 79 years old at this point. They're sitting together while they interview each other. And she goes, sharks don't have teeth. They can't swim up and feel your arm. And she touches Chris Hemsworth's sculpted arm. And she goes, oh. <laughs> he kind of giggles and plays it off. And she goes, they have teeth. So they swim up to you and they'll bite you. And they think, oh, you're not food. I'm going to swim away. And he goes, you can bite me. It's all right. And she, she just starts <laughs> giggling uncontrollably. And it's just... <clears throat> In a 40-minute documentary, three minutes of these two just flirting it up, and it's it's wonderful. <laughs> I cannot recommend this documentary enough. It's on Disney Plus, and it's an absolute riot. That sounds. What's it called? Uh, Chris. What is it called? I have it up. Uh, Shark Beach with Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> Shark Beach. Yeah, it is. All right. All right. Yeah, I, I have to see Chris flirting with this elderly woman. This sounds like the height of entertainment. Elderly um, scientist woman. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, yeah, that's all I'll say on that. But <laughs> no, Enough said, really. Well, a nice gamut of things you guys watched this week. Okay. Now, now it's my shot. I'll try to keep this quick. Okay. Got the timer ready? Okay. I'm going. Um, first off, last, uh, last time we chatted, um, I uh, talked about a TV show called Black Summer that I watched on Netflix, zombie TV show. Don't watch it. Watch another episode <laughs> real bad. The characters all became utter imbeciles, made no sense. Don't don't waste your time with that. So that's out the window. Uh, second, I, I watched some of that Tony Robinson show that we've been chatting about in the group chat. You guys both watched that. Um, yeah, I, Tim, not, Tim not for me. Tim Robinson? See, I don't even know. Tony Robinson's a motivational speaker <laughs> yeah. guy, isn't he? He's the one that's got, like, the archer stereotype. Yeah. He's all these different... Yeah, yeah, okay. No, not 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 a, a mythology of, of, you know, how to get get help, uh, get rich quick books. Um, no, I, I don't know what was up with, with Tim Robinson. That wasn't for me. It was... I just felt deeply uncomfortable the entire time. 
So I can see why you guys would like that. I can see getting some some humor out of that. Not that you guys are deeply uncomfortable, <laughs> just that you guys would like comedy that is. Um, so I watched some of that. Couldn't get into it. Um, next, I watched a couple movies. Uh, I watched There Is No Evil, which is a really interesting, um, really interesting film. Hank, I think in particular you might like it. It is. Uh, it was filmed illegally in Iran and then smuggled out. The director was in jail for it. I think may still be in jail. I don't really know. Um, and it's four little vignettes. I, I think four. Um, and it's all about uh, man's responsibility to man. Um, but it's basically people living in this uh, brutal authoritarian regime and people that are just cogs in that machine, whether they're, you know, uh, part of the execution squad or whatever else. And it's little vignettes in their life showing them interacting with that. Um, really interesting, really well done. The total budget was like $15,000, which just means a lot of people must have volunteered their time or something because yep. it's... Is it a... Is it a documentary piece or is it? it no, it's a drama. It's it's all a drama. Oh, okay. <clears throat> yeah, and the stories are vaguely connected, kind of. Um, I don't want to go into too much about the plot, um, but it, I was really, really impressed. It's a little slow burn, but I think I, Hank, I think you would like it. A I, lot. I like some slow movies, you know. I and it's on Amazon. There is no evil. So yeah. There is uh, evil. Yeah, Look check that right out. Now. It's a got a little horror-y vibes, kind of, but not not really. Um, the other movie I watched was Train Spotting. I had it's always been on my list. I'd nice. never seen it. Ooh. So this is a young Ewan McGregor, star-studded cast. Um, a lot of a lot of the greats when they were young before they became um, big deals and uh, depicting the life of, of heroin addicts in Scotland. Um, so kind of a, a hard a hard watch in some parts, but um, just a classic. I, I think a lot of people should should see it. Um, and then last thing I watched, Maximilian. Uh, I know I'm about out of time. It, this is a German-French uh, combined historical drama piece uh, set around the inter political interactions between the Habsburgs uh, and uh, the French and, and Burgundy and all these other regions. So it's geopolitical, but also real romance and how people that don't love each other got to get married for very real political life or death decisions. Um, so it's pretty great. You got these German actors and French actors talking to each other in their own languages. So like the German guys speaking German and the French ladies speaking French back at them and they're just going at it like that. So uh, mm. I, I've liked it a lot so far. I haven't finished it. It's like a three-part miniseries. It's on Amazon. Um, and that's it. That's what I watched this week. Nice. Pretty diverse uh, yeah. grouping yeah. of stuff we've watched this week. Taylor, yeah, for, all over for, the place. I think you should leave. Did you watch just the first season? Because I know the second season just came out. Did you watch the whole thing? I, they're all pretty short, right? They're 15 yeah. minutes apiece. Yeah. 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 I um I just we just watched the f part of the first season. Okay. Fair enough. I would Is say the second it's like season consistent. different. No, yeah. and if you didn't like the first season, I don't think it gets much more watchable. Like, if anything, I think it gets more crazy and out there in the second season, which personally I like, and I think Hank likes as well. But yeah, if you're not going to buy it, they really doubled season, down. They they really doubled down on everything they were doing in the first season. And I watched the second season. I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> but, Taylor, I figured that's where they were going. I was like, these this strikes me as the kind of thing where they're just going to lean into all this crazy shit, and it's going to get more and more and more of it. So the, so the big premise with that is they're rejected SNL skits because he used to write for SNL. 
And so a lot of the stuff is the stuff okay. that Lord Michael's passed on that he tried to, to pilot to him. That he was like, this is weird. I don't want this on my show. <laughs> it's not a real general audience thing, but I, I can definitely see how there's like, there's a, a, a niche that I think you guys fall into where you're like, more of this. Whatever this is, we want more of it. I was really yeah. upset when season two ended. I watched it in one sitting. I don't think I paused it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Taylor, if, if you awesome. do decide well, to okay. engage anything from season two, Sorry, I was going to say, if you watch anything from season two, you know, it's it's an hour and a half. If you don't want to watch it, I totally get it. But there's one skit called Coffin Flop. You can find it on YouTube. It's two minutes, and it is hysterical. And that's the only thing you need to take away. So for the audience as well, if you just search Tim Robinson, Coffin Flop, that is the only thing you need to watch from season two. I think it's pure that show distilled into two and a half minutes. Okay, I'll watch that. I will watch... Because there were some skits that I liked, but there was just a lot of other stuff that I was like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Okay, well, guys, we got to pull the bandaid off. We got to start talking about Space Jam: <laughs> A New Legacy. Do we have to? Yeah, we do. <laughs> and I and I think since I'm I'm running this show, I think we need to refer to it not as Space Jam Two, but as Space Jam: A New Legacy. I think it's really important that we stick to the official title. Um, so we for those respect. of you that haven't seen it, I'm going to read you the IMDb blurb. Um, and I think I'll kind of paint a picture for you. So <clears throat> a rogue artificial intelligence, Don Cheadle, kidnaps the son of famed basketball player LeBron James, LeBron James, who then has to work with Bugs Bunny to win a basketball game. That's basically that's where we're at. That's that's it. That's that's the movie. Um, so. We're going to first do a non-spoilery discussion, um, and then and then after we've done that, then we'll we'll start breaking into the, the plot, and we could ruin the movie for you if you haven't seen it. Um, so non-spoilery stuff first. Keegan, why don't you start us off? What did you think of this, uh, <laughs> of this, this motion picture? Oh, boy. I think I could really distill it into the, the one text that I sent you guys when I first started watching it. That I, th- I think I was the last one to watch the movie, or maybe Taylor was, but... There was some general buzz going on in our group chat, and I texted you guys. I was like, man, I really wanted to be the guy that liked this and who could come on here and chastise you guys as being pretentious assholes that can't just turn their brains off and enjoy a fun, corporate, big movie. And then I watched it, and I was just absolutely floored. Uh, And I guess also for context, so... My partner's the one that got me into like family movies, and she has a very high tolerance for kids' movies. Like stuff that I have opened up to, but will just completely just not engage with. She will be like, "This yeah. is fine." She. Yeah. It's a two and a half hour movie. I mean, throughout the runtime, she was mostly on her laptop, got up to brush her teeth, completely just not engaged with the movie at all. And I was, I, and she literally was laughing at me because she's like, "You have to watch this for your show." She's like, "You got to stay down here. I'm gonna go brush my teeth and get ready for bed." I was just, I felt like I was in prison by watching this movie. It's insane. And I guess the only other thing that I want to say is this movie is obviously terrible. But the one thing that I really want to drive home is that over our triple threat, you guys were just completely just ripping Black Black Forest, Black Widow and uh, F9 for being just over the top spectacle. But I, I think by contrast, watching something this shit with this much money behind it really drives home that... 
although those other movies are mindless, there really is an art to having a successful summer blockbuster movie and having one that like connects with any kind of audience the way that Fast and Furious and Marvel movies do. It's not something that accidentally happens, right? Because this movie, Space Jam A New Legacy, really feels like it's, it's just completely dictated by a board of people that aren't story writers, right? They're people that vested interest they want to get their franchise in they want to get a couple scenes in it very much feels like it was driven purely by business decisions whereas i feel like that obviously exists with those other big franchises but they do it in a way that it's still enjoyable it's still you know has that spectacle mixed in with a fun narrative that's enjoyable at least to watch at a base level so this movie really really affected me in a very negative way and i there's I would probably rather watch three Hank Week recommendations back to back to back <laughs> than watch Space Jam again. <laughs> Man, that is cool. I can't believe I've heard Keegan say this. I, yeah, I don't say that like that. <laughs> it's funny you said you felt you felt like you were imprisoned because literally we were watching it and I, I, went, I walked to the kitchen to get something and I muttered to myself, I'm a prisoner in my own home. Yeah. That was like literally how I felt that I have to. Uh, okay, Hank, what did, what did you think? I, you know what? I think Hank loved it. I think this is going to be Hank's <laughs> top movie he loved from our whole our whole podcast. What, what do you say, Hank? Yeah, that's not the case. Um, so, uh, first of all, I'd like to push back a little bit on something Keegan said about my opinions. I hated on Black Widow. Fast 9, I was in love with. I think it was a great spectacle. I am fine at turning my brain off. There are just, you know, there are some limits. Like, if I turn my brain off, it needs to be for something that my eyes will enjoy. Anyway. <laughs> that's um, fair. Anyway, Space Jam, A New Legacy. So uh, I have something to admit, uh, I think, to the audience and to my co-host, which is I've not seen Space Jam, the original. I've seen A New Legacy, to be clear. I watched this week's movie, but I haven't seen the original Space Jam. I know it's, it's really beloved to, to my generation. Um, I, I just I never got around to it. Like, it, it, like it's, it's always been on my radar. It's just never, you know, it's not a horror movie. I had no real reason <laughs> to watch it. Um, nobody, nobody gets brutally murdered and dismembered. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But anyway, <laughs> I'd never seen it. So this movie came up, and we were going to review it. And I was like, you know, like... How could they fuck this up? Like, my understanding is, you know, like, it's just Looney Tunes with a basketball star. They're playing basketball. It's, like, a real easy good time. It'll probably be zany good fun. Like, this will probably be, like, my chance to connect with this kind of franchise that my generation loves so much. I see people talking about Space Jam all the time. And uh, so when I watched the movie and, like felt like I was being punished for something. I was just really <laughs> surprised. Um, I mean, the movie's like two and a half hours long. It feels like four and a half hours. It's way too long. None of the acting is good. Like, sorry, LeBron James, you you may be a good actor, but you didn't act well in this movie. Actually, let, let me take that back. Some of the acting is good. Don Cheadle seemed like he was having a good time. He leaned into, into his role well. Um, but besides that, the acting sucks. I don't like child actors and, you know, LeBron James's fictionalized son. Uh, the guy, that, the kid that played him didn't, didn't change my opinion of child actors. He, he wasn't good. Um, LeBron James wasn't that good himself. Uh, so the acting was bad. The, the story writing was atrocious. Uh, I, I might even say it was, uh, 
completely incoherent at times uh and and like keegan said this movie was just put together by you know like a bunch of businessmen around a table being like okay how much runtime do we have how much can we fit in there and uh it was really bizarre to me because it seemed to me like there were a lot of really talented people involved with this movie and they were allowed to make no decisions whatsoever in the making of the film because like the animation was like fairly convincing like of the looney tunes style stuff it was like fairly convincing as looney tunes animation like they were copying stuff that had been done but they were doing it well um but so like anyway like the animation was good like the cinematography wasn't terrible the production values were all really good so like all the you know they had everything they needed to make a good movie and it just seems like you know they probably proposed these ideas and some businessman was like, fuck you, we need a Harry Potter reference. <laughs> um, we need a lot of Harry Potter. We need we a, a lot Harry of Harry Potter theme park. We got to reference it. Yeah, so anyway, uh, overall impressions, this movie is god-awful. Don't watch it unless you enjoy physical pain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hank, would you... I, this is a big ask, I know, but I'm going to make it. When I was watching Space Jam A New Legacy, I kept thinking, well, I loved the original Space Jam, but I was a kid. Maybe it was just this bad. I don't think it was, but I just, I, I, I even if I rewatched it again with my, you know, adult sensibilities, I couldn't get that first impression. Would you watch the original and tell us, those of us that watched it as we were kids, if it's this bad or if it actually was a good movie? Because I remember it, I remember loving it. I remember loving the story, the characters, everything. Yeah, no, I, I'm actually kind of interested in doing that. Because, like I've mentioned, like, it's really beloved to my generation, the original. And, like, I've been aware of that, but I've never seen it. And so watching this, I was hoping to get some of, like, that connection with, like, my generation's, like, culture. And I really feel like I missed out. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that what happened is this movie just, just wasn't indicative of what they were connecting to. And the original is some magical treasure. Um, that's, what I, that's what I think happened. Yeah, so that's really what I want to see. So, you know, I, I'm willing to watch the original and figure out if that's the case. I'm really hoping it's the case. So, for t Taylor, for you, I will do this. And for, well, it's for science, yeah, too. For also. science, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, okay, I want to follow up on what Taylor asked. So, it, you know, I, I didn't re-watch the original, but I watched some stuff on YouTube and some, you know, some talk tracks about it. And the original is very clearly also a commercial for a lot of Warner Brothers properties. It's also a big commercial for Nike, right? I mean, Michael Jordan is, is synonymous with the Nike brand. So it's like, it's completely, yeah. you know, Jordan sneakers <clears throat> everywhere. But it still has this huge cultural mainstay status. Given that fact, right, say that Hank watches in the original is not a very great movie. And we all agree, right? I'm, unless... Taylor completely blows us away when he does his his initial thoughts. He loved the movie. Do you think this movie, despite all of that, could still have twenty years from now that kind of cultural impact to people that are currently, you know, eight or nine years old, like you know the three of us were when the first movie came out, or is it just completely missed the mark? I I'm gonna sound like a crouchy old man, but if if this movie becomes like a cult favorite for kids that are eight and nine right now. That just says so much about how the internet and social media has ruined people's brains. Like that's the only way I can justify that. Like a, a lot, and this isn't just true for this movie, but this this movie seems to do what a lot of popular media entertainment things do right now. Like look at Fortnite, right? Fortnite is still a wildly popular game, and it's there's all these skins you gotta buy, and all it's all it is, right? Like it's just buying skins, money to buy skins, and the amount of of uh, uh, contracts they get with different media properties is astounding, right? They have 
everybody yeah. in there. Every game, you know, Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, Alien vs. Predator, all that stuff. It's all in there. And I don't get it. Like, I, I just really don't. I'm used to video games where you did not pay to get anything else once you already bought the game. And I certainly wouldn't pay for a cosmetic thing. Um, but that's what that's what sells right now. And uh, and this movie kind of is that same sort of thing. It's like for me, this movie was an exercise in how far can we debase ourselves? We're Warner Brothers and we got this whole collection of stuff we've done and let's just sell it out as much as we can. And we have no integrity. We don't give a shit about these original stories. We're just here to make money. And oh, great. And we'll find a basketball player that'll do the exact same thing with us. I mean, I the minute LeBron James left Cleveland, I was like, OK, well, I, I don't I don't. He's a great basketball player. I don't I don't value him in his in his, uh, you know creative decisions or anything like that um and so he was the perfect the perfect fit for this whereas michael jackson in the original for my childhood recollection jordan (laughs) michael jordan (laughs) michael jordan in the in the original for me it was yeah obviously it was all product placement everything else but they were able to do it in a way where it was still a compelling story it was still fun and 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 this just fell so flat for me every bit of it nothing was funny nothing made sense I even, even little things like the the Bugs Bunny voice actor, it didn't sound like Bugs Bunny to me. It sounded a little bit off, and just little stuff like that where it was like I don't think they cared. I think yeah, good enough. Kids will watch it. We'll make some money. That's about it. So I don't really have any more to add to what you guys said. I basically agree with everything you guys said. Um, yeah, I, I ju- yeah. I I just want to say like what you're saying about this movie being like, like a, a practice in debasing themselves. Like, that's so accurate. This movie was just like, how far can we distance ourselves from anything resembling artistic integrity? Like, we need to make it clear to the audience that we are not trying to make pieces of art. We are trying to make, you know, essentially a commodity of a film. You know, we're trying to make something that is interchangeable, you know, with any other, like, big corporate, you know, film that's being produced. But the big difference between this and those other big corporate films is that those other big corporate films, I'm thinking Marvel and Disney, you know, whatever issues you have with them, they do have some talented, creative leads at the head. You might not agree with all of their decisions. I'm thinking Star Wars. I'm thinking Marvel. But I don't think there's a lot of argument that those people aren't good at what they do. Like, they're fairly talented. They're somewhat hampered by corporate decisions. But this movie was like, no, no, no. You may be good at what you're doing but everything you're doing is going to come down to corporate decision-making at this point. Like there's not Mm -hmm. going to be any relying on your artistic, you know, knowledge or know-how. It is purely going to be, we tell you to make something and you recreate that until we are satisfied. That's what it felt like to me. Like it, Mm -hmm. it, it just felt so completely soulless. And I say this as someone that works in corporate America, you know, like (laughs) I'm not like totally against the idea of like a corporate entity existing. I'm just like, you could at least pretend, you know, that you, you have some care for the artistry of what is happening. Like, it's, it's a film. It's a form of art. You could at least pretend. And they didn't for this movie. And that's really what separates it from those other big corporate movies that I don't like. Like, I would rather watch the entire Marvel backlog than rewatch this. And I'm not yeah. a big Marvel fan. You heard what I thought about Black Widow. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, well, and the the... The first act was the worst and the most astounding to me because, and I'll try not to be spoilery here, but I, they must 
call LeBron James the king 50 times in the first act. It's constantly about how he's the king, he's the greatest ever, and they make little, you know, Don Cheadle goes, well, that's, the jury's still out on that one, blah, blah, blah. And, but it's just like, it's just fawning over him in a way that has nothing to do with the story. It's just like, how much can we insert this to make him look good? That, that's literally all it is. And that's, I get that, that's fine at some at some level, right? But this is just over the top to the point where it's like they're catering to the lowest common denominator, I guess. Like, I, I just can't explain why else they would do this. And I hope the market works and this movie doesn't make money and it's a commercial failure. I'm worried it's not. I'm worried that that's why all these big studios are going with the franchises now because they're you know like keegan and i we watched space jam the original we like it as kids that's why we watch this one right they bought our loyalty with previous stuff um and so maybe there this was a one-time thing it's like hey we can do this again and make a bunch of money enough people are gonna see it it'll be worth it um but if they ever made a third one i'm not gonna watch it. even if keegan if you're like we gotta watch the new space jam, i'm not gonna do it <laughs> fuck this man yeah, no, I hate to say, I think, uh, and I was reading some early box office stuff. This, I mean, this movie did great this weekend, despite the fact that it's on HBO God Max. Damn it. it dethroned Black uh, Black Widow. Black Widow had the, the most precipitous drop of any Marvel movie this past weekend in the box office. I think this beat out um, F9 as well, which is now in its third or fourth <sighs> week. So, yeah, I mean, this had a great, great week at the box office, which is, uh, it's not reassuring by any means. So, I agree. I think, I, you know, it's these kinds of things that reward these these big business forward NBA butthole decisions that uh, kind of, you know, inform these studios that they can make these kind of decisions and these movies will continue to be Well, watched. so what's interesting is uh, if you go on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics give it 29%, which I think, yeah, that's that's fair. I might even, that's even a little too high for me. Yeah, the that's audience, really fucking generous. With, <laughs> yeah. The audience, supposedly, 80%. What He's do you guys verified? think about that? It says 1,000-plus verified ratings. 80%. What do you guys think? For those of us that can't see our faces, they're just draw, their jaws are on the floor Looney Tune style. They just can't, can't I just, reconcile that. I, I feel like even as a child, I would have found this movie kind of vaguely insulting. Because... You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 you know, not not just to my intelligence, to my intelligence as well, but to, you know, my taste. Because even if you're a child, you, you have Netflix, probably, you have Hulu, your parents might have Amazon Prime. I mean, your parents have all these things, but you, you might have Amazon Prime, maybe Disney Plus if you're lucky and your parents are willing to shell out for that. You have just the gamut of wonderful entertainment at your fingertips. You can watch whatever you want. Why would mm -hmm. you ever watch this movie? This movie offers nothing new. It's not more spectacular than other children's movies out there. Um, it's not, you know, more family-friendly than other movies out Like, some other movies. For th th This movie offers nothing to, like, the creative space. And it just baffles my mind that anyone could watch this movie and think, like, yeah, this is positive overall. You know, this yeah. movie is just an exercise in, like, how far away from artistry we can take the creative process. It's, it, yeah. I, 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 like, even a child, I'm like, watch, like, uh, Robinsons versus the Machines or something. Like, it's also available for, you know, 
the same price as you watch this movie, it's far better. I didn't particularly oh, yeah. like it, but I, I should imagine that, like, you know, even just watching with a fairly, like, limited, you know, perception of art and, like, the, the film industry, it's more entertaining. There are actually funny jokes in it. It's, it's more colorful. Like, I, I'm just honestly baffled that 80% of people could give this a, po- a positive review. Um, mm-hmm. I, mean, I cannot you- believe that, yeah. Keegan, what do you think? No, I mean, it's, it's absolutely shocking that it comes out at 80%. I think, like, I mean, Hank has said, right, like, we're, we're moving into, a, unfortunately, I think the, the general consensus around movies and streaming is that we're moving into an era where movies are increasingly becoming content. And I sound, you know, similar to Taylor, like an old curmudgeon and, like, kind of a Scorsese take that's, like, his whole soapbox. But I agree, right? I think movies are increasingly another thing in this huge, so much to absorb, right? And in a space where kids have access to so much streaming, and I... I feel like I, of the three hosts, sing the praises of Disney Plus the most, but there's a wealth of really good family content to watch out there, be it, like Hank had said, like, stuff coming out of Sony Animation Pictures, like Mitchell's versus the Machines, or all of the stuff, you know, Pixar's churning out stuff faster than ever, right? I just, I cannot imagine seeing this movie and finding any way to connect with this. And like you said, like, I mean, Ready Player One came out when we were either late high school or college, so I'm not, I wasn't that young at the time, but that's a very similar kind of corporate shell out movie that did nothing but just reference other better properties and even at that age i was like this is what does this bring to the table that i couldn't just get from watching those properties and i think an argument you hear a lot in favor of this movie is that you know it's, it's a kids movie right this is meant for younger audiences they just kind of want to they see animation they have fun they kind of turn their brain off but I, there's so much to go against that argument right we have direct references Maybe this is spoilery, but you know, Mad Max Fury Road, a deeply R-rated George Miller movie. We have Casablanca. Like, mm-hmm. generally, like, you know, genuinely, what child is connecting with these references in any way? And you could say, like, oh, these are just for the parents. They're just, you know, these are little things they sprinkle in. But I, I don't know. The, I just, what's the audience for this? Who are the people, the thousand plus people that are giving this, you know, a cumulative eighty percent score? It's baffling. Yeah, I well, and you know, as you were just talking about, movies are becoming content. And I, I think you're 100% right, and I think these big studios, or you know, game companies like Fortnite being the best example, I think, yeah. their response to this, the largest increase in content in human history for like the average person, right? The ability to not like, you know, you go you go back not that long ago, everybody's basically listening to the same songs on the radio, everybody's basically watching the same movies, reading the same papers, whatever else, right? And so now that's just out the window and these big studios, the way they're reacting, these big companies is grab bag, grab every single thing we can and put it all into one. And we'll just grab whoever likes these individual little things. Oh, you like Mad Max? We got that. Oh, you like Game of Thrones? Like Harry Potter? We got that. You like basketball? Why not? Just bring it all in there. Um, And I, I don't like that approach at all for almost anything, but this is easily the worst I've ever seen it done. Which, uh, so yeah. I, I wanted to shed a little more light on these Rotten Tomato reviews. Um, so the critical consensus, which I think is going to be our consensus, is despite LeBron James' best efforts to make a winning team out of the Toon Squad, Space Jam A New Legacy trades the zany meta humor of its predecessor for a shameless, tired exercise in IP-driven branding. Yeah, I think that's concise. basically what we're saying. But yeah. the audience says, the audience who loves it apparently, LeBron James probably won't win any acting awards, but this is an entertaining all-ages movie with a solid animation, a positive message for kids, and fun cameos for older viewers. 
What was the message for kids? Let's let's get into spoilers and talk about this fun message for kids. I missed it. I missed the whole message apparently. I agree. Yeah. Um, Any yeah, non-spoilery go... stuff we want to say before we go to spoilers? No. No, okay. I cannot wait to dig in. And just as a reminder, before we get into spoilers, everybody, we got a Patreon. We got some fun stuff over there on Patreon. If you're listening to the spoilers section, I think you're a big enough fan that you can go ahead and become a Patreon. So go to rotatingreels.com. They'll take you straight to the Patreon. And now, on to our spoiler review of Space Jam, A New Legacy, A New Hope, A New Future for Warner (laughs) Brothers and the franchise of Space Jam. If you haven't seen the movie... Don't listen to this part. We're going to ruin it for you. There's a a wonderful, wonderful plot waiting to be discovered by you. So go watch it and then come back and listen to our spoiler review. Okay, who wants to start off? Who wants to really, really let them have it? Hank, go ahead, Hank. Yeah, so what the the fuck are we going to spoil? Are are, are people going to be surprised that LeBron James wins a basketball game? Like, It's how he does it, man. I think that the premise is don't get gaslit by Don Cheadle. That's what I took from it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, I I mean, just the movie, spoiling it just seems so hard because it was so incoherent. Like, there there was kind of a plot for the first part of the movie, right? Like, LeBron James is, like, mildly abusive to his son who just wants to do nerdy things and LeBron's like no you gotta play basketball and then by the end of the movie like we kind of get back to that he's like oh it's okay that you're kind of a nerd and I'll stop you know bullying you into sports um but, but, but I mean, it is, takes it is takes there a the plot kid, other than that? Well, well so yeah it takes the kid almost getting a shitload of people killed like millions of people, I think, almost a died. Lot. Yeah. Yeah, because Don Cheadle. So I guess, okay, I guess the plot is Don Cheadle <laughs> is an algorithm and he's living in the Warner Brothers server verse where they, I guess all their servers have all their content on them and it's all self aware and the Looney Tunes are real things. So yeah, that's fine. And Don Cheadle's an algorithm in there and he somehow wants to do bad stuff i i don't it's not quite clear why he's evil at first he like wants to pitch a tv show to lebron james and he gets that message to the corporate humans at warner brothers and like this part of this movie by the way is that warner brothers is evil like that's just in the background going on and so this algorithm gets these uh the real life people to pitch lebron james the movie lebron james says no basketball players is sport actors and sports they don't really go together which fair enough should have been in the end of the movie roll credits nope don Cheadle is a super evil artificial intelligence and lebron james son has somehow invented some tech they call everything tech oh nice tech um because that's what the kids say i guess uh, and his son has invented a basketball game, like it looks like a mobile game, doesn't look very interesting, looks like a rehash of a million games we've had before, but the kid has invented something where you can, through your camera on your phone, scan in like a, a, a 3D representation of yourself that can then play in the game. Don Cheadle figures out how to actually just scan you into the game, like Tron stuff, we're just grabbing you, taking you into the game. So Don Cheadle, for some reason, connects all of this evil 
full maniacal stuff to I'm going to get LeBron James in. I'm going to make him play a basketball game with the Looney Tunes. And then I'm going to hack into his Twitter and tweet out that I'm doing this, pretending to be LeBron James. All LeBron James fans will then watch it and get sucked in. And now they're in the server verse. And if LeBron James loses the game, they're all just going to be stuck in the server verse as these artificial things. But luckily, LeBron James kid realizes he loves his father and not John Cheadle. And that doesn't happen. And LeBron James wins the game. And that's the end of it. I, mean, I didn't get is, that. Is that, is I, that the plot? I, didn't, I did not realize a lot of that. I didn't know he was posturing <laughs> as LeBron to get people sucked in. I just saw two stewardesses and I'm like, oh, people are in the basketball server person now. Like, I, and I didn't understand what the purpose was. Because he was like, you take my AI and LeBron James and together we rule the world. He's n- there's nothing as to how he's going to do this, right? It's just like, no. take these two superpowers and that's it. And then we rule the world together. <laughs> it's just, there's no method. There's no outcome. It's just there's no reason. crazy. Yeah. Why does he want to, like, you know, the beginning of the movie, he wants to pitch a new movie for LeBron James. He's stoked about a new movie. And then he gets turned down, so he's somehow going to take over the world. I guess. And on, okay, somehow? on top of that, I don't, I don't want to seem like a real butthole, but spo- you know, spoiler for real <laughs> life, Hank and I work in a data science department in real life for a major corporation, okay? This movie has a blatant, complete disregard of what AI or data science is when a 12-year-old comes in and he goes, is this a heuristic matrix? Okay, we work with like 40-year-old PhDs that wouldn't even know what that means, let alone LeBron James's 12-year-old son. I'm completely lost. The whole first act, I didn't follow the plot at all. So until we got to the basketball game, I was like, you know, we're rounding people up and then we're going to play a game. But I don't know what's going on up until that point. I don't, I don't know if you guys were similarly lost. Yeah, I mean, there were... I tried my best to follow it. And I, and I, I don't really even think I was lost because it was that nonsensical. I think I was lost because it was so stupid that I couldn't get my my mind to focus on it. Like, <laughs> d- despite my best efforts, I'm like, I'm going to have to review this steaming pile of shit. I should at least know what happened in the movie. And I failed at that. I honestly, like, like I, I watched the whole damn thing. <clears throat> and I could barely tell you what happened other than, like, yeah, LeBron James won a basketball game. He had some Looney Tunes on his side. Um, his 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 son's kind of a, kind of a nerd. Um, Don Don Cheadle is is an algorithm. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah. like the, the the whole movie was nonsense. Like AI or like machine learning, whatever it is. I mean, obviously, is not a man inside a computer. Um, <laughs> like it's not Don Cheadle. Um, And I won't fault them for that. It's way more fun if it's Don Cheadle. If you actually show (laughs) a machine learning algorithm, you're like, ooh, we got some values out of it. We got several numbers that we need a highly qualified person to interpret. (laughs) That's not fun. I don't fault them for that. Yeah. But, I mean, they were just, like, throwing words out to the wind that they didn't need to do. They don't need to be like, is this a heuristic algorithm? Like, no one cares. No one cares. Like, like the son already developed a whole-ass basketball game. Like, we don't need to establish that he knows his tech. You know, we've seen it. It's got 3D graphics. You can scan whole people into it. I mean, it was just so stupid. The whole thing was just so stupid. Like, yeah. I mean... Yeah, no, it didn't... It, the plot... Well, I mean, there's no point in trying to analyze the plot because the plot's not the point. 
right? The point is so obviously, hey, let's get all these properties together and try to have them interact in a fun way so that you guys think Warner Brothers is cool. Because Warner Brothers used to make good stuff. Here's examples of the good stuff we used to make. Now we're making this. That's what that's what we do now. Warner Brothers. I mean, so, that that was it. Can I talk about one of my major complaints with the film? Yeah, yeah. So Space Jam, well-known film. This is <clears throat> this is allegedly a sequel to it. Do they ever go to space in this movie? Are there any jams <laughs> occurring in outer space? That is a big thing in the first movie. It, there is jumping between planets, right? Am I remembering that right, yeah. Taylor? No, you're right. You're totally right. Yeah. You're totally right. It's name only. It's exactly the premise that we have a you know a big high profile basketball player and you have Looney Tunes characters. And that's it. That's the only connective tissue. But in the PlayStation One, I don't want to ruin it for you, Hank. But there is a plot. I can remember the plot from having seen it as a kid. I know basically why this game happened, why we had... To, I mean, like, it's all, you know, it's fucking... It's Looney Tunes, right? So it's, it's all silly, but there is a plot. There is reasoning going on, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm fine with it being silly. I love the Looney Tunes myself. You know, I grew up watching some Looney Tunes, some big, like, Roadrunner fan, yeah. you know? But, uh, like, this was... Like, like it wasn't silly. It was just brainless it was just it, it it was like you know when you go on amazon prime and you watch a new amazon original and they have like that little it's not it's not that offensive or anything but they have like that little like here's the other amazon programming we have they play that ad up front where it's a mm -hmm. this was like that for two and a half hours and none <laughs> of the stuff they were showing off has come out in the past decade yeah yeah like what <clears throat> Well, and then they have, you know, the they have some of the modern properties like Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, Mad Max, that kind of stuff. But all of those are stories, real stories that are m not Harry Potter, but the other two are adult stories. And so there wasn't they, these things don't mesh really well. That's yeah. that's the trouble. And, you know, if you play I'm going to keep harping on Fortnite. This is really just a podcast about how much I dislike <laughs> Fortnite. But but in Fortnite, it's like that. That's why I can't get into it. because I'm like these things. It's just all nonsensical. It's just it's just grab box, whatever you like. Put it on my face. Now it's my face. I like it. And, and, and I know we can just keep talking about how much this movie sucks forever. But I kind of wanted to ask you guys, what if what if. What if we're wrong? And what if the majority of people are thinking, yeah, 80% is a good movie? I mean, that's no. what Rotten Tomatoes is saying right now. No, 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 <laughs> no. I don't think that. I think it's a sampling thing, right? I, like, oh, you know, I agree that Twitter is not the real world. Twitter is actually full of very mean, bad people. But every time yeah. I watch one of these big movies for the show, I'll usually use our Rotating Reels Twitter, at Rotating Reels. That's our handle. Uh, and I'll usually use it and I'll live tweet it and have some fun, see what other people are doing for these new releases. And again, the overwhelming majority of people on Twitter did not enjoy this movie. And again, that's not the real world. My partner has a pretty high tolerance for most family movies. And she hated this movie. I have yet to meet a single person that would ever rate this over a 5 out of 10. Like, you know, that he has even a passing enjoyment of this movie. I mean, you know, I often will be forgiving of movies that I find inoffensive, if not, you know, entertaining. This is yeah, not one of that. those movies. 
this movie yeah. was actively offensive to me. It, I did not like watching it. It wasn't like, yeah, I just need to get through this and it'll be done. Like, every moment of sitting through this movie was a, a type of agony. Like, I, I, I consider myself, you know, somewhat of an artist. I, you know, I, I, I write music and stuff like that. And this movie just, like, shat on the face of artistry everywhere. Hmm. Like, this movie was just so bad that it wasn't just something I could let pass. Like, I wanted to avert my gaze. And I just hmm. cannot yeah. believe that 80% of people think that this movie is, like, above a neutral rating. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. I have a yeah. take. I'm curious you guys' thoughts on this. So we're kind of introducing these pop culture references in two ways two major ways as I see it from the movie right the first is we're introduced to Bugs Bunny he's alone on Tomb World and he wants to go and, and make a new team so we go to all these different worlds in the serververse to recruit the team or the old team get all the old Looney Tune characters back together I actually thought that that sequence was a lot more fun than the way that they introduced the IPs later on. So that whole sequence, we go to Mad Max Fury Road. We have LeBron James with a, a dyed red mohawk in a character. And there's people holding up signs that say, uh, you know, what it is, witness me and all this fun stuff. We go into the Matrix. I thought that was actually kind of cute. There was some fun to be had because they integrated the characters into those movies yeah. that I enjoy. What I didn't enjoy is as soon as the basketball game starts, we have a direct reference, right, to Ready Player One, where all these IP of the Iron Giant, King Kong, Pennywise the Clown, all of these people under the Warner Bros. umbrella come in together in this big fashion, and then they're all sitting in the stands together. And it's like, it's fun what it's in movie for these, these IPs, because it's like, oh, we're addressing that we own these, and we're going to insert them into that movie, and it's going to be fun, and we're going to like acknowledge that we can put characters into it. But then when you have these people in the stands it loses all sense of character, right? Because then it just becomes, it doesn't have anything to do with what would the, the Iron Giant is a movie about, you know, war and about guns and about like violence in America. But none of that is present in the Iron Giant sitting in the stands watching a basketball game, right? It loses all the character that that movie actually had. And similarly, like, I know we had talked about this in the group chat, but you have these, and I'm so sorry, I know you guys are working for a living, but these absolute shit bit rate actors you know, working as backup actors, playing Pennywise the Clown and the White Walkers and the sex perverts from A Clockwork Orange in the background, they're not even acting like the characters from their movies, right? They're literally just yeah. wearing a costume and observing a basketball game because that's what the script tells them to do. But nothing about their actual franchise, other than the way they appear, is similar to what they actually come from. It's 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 a very no the Clockwork Orange way. like because. You're, you're totally right. The Like, you know, the White Walkers, right? Like, obviously, the characters of the White Walkers put into a basketball game in Toon World, like, these are no longer the White Walkers, right? Like, yeah. their, their whole frame of reference for existence, nothing makes sense. It's all just baloney, right? And at, at some level, fine. But the Clockwork Orange guys were, were you know, what, what do they call it? Hyper-violence or whatever? Like, like they... Yeah. These were bad dudes that did bad things, and I and it's an interesting story, and I love the movie and whatever else, right? But like, they're in a kids movie, and like they're sitting there yeah. watching a basketball. It's just, it's, and that's why I said debase earlier because they didn't think about this, they didn't care about this. This was just put it all in there. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. It doesn't matter if it's coherent with anything. Just get it in there. Get eyeballs on it. Yeah. Uh. 
I, I mean, I don't even want to comment on this stuff because I just I have nothing <laughs> to say about it other than that it, it is an insult to anyone that has ever made art. Like, it, it it is an insult to anyone that's taken like an intro to painting class. Like, <laughs> nothing in this movie, like uh, every dollar that went towards the making of this movie should have gone towards something else. Everyone that was employed in the making of this movie deserved to be employed in the making of something meaningful. This movie has nothing of value in it. Uh, well, and like you said, Keegan, those backup actors, I don't fault them. I don't fault the graphic design people. All the people that actually did it, they need a paycheck. I get why they did it. The, and LeBron James, he's not an actor. I, you know, if, I, I kind of get why he did it. The one guy, and maybe there's other people involved in the cinematography, other people that I think knew better, but Don Cheadle, I texted you guys, like, Don Cheadle did Hotel Rwanda. Are we serious? Like, I get that he gave, they must have yeah. given him a lot of money, and maybe he didn't know how bad it was, and a lot of it's CGI, so maybe he filmed his scenes by himself. Like, I, I can see a story and where it makes sense where he would have done this movie, but it's just like, man, I would be, I would be upset if I was Don Cheadle and I didn't know how bad this movie was going to be, and then I watched it. I would be really upset because, like, I mean, he you, actually you tried. Script, you know what Space Jam One is? You're like, sure, why not? I'll, I'll, I'll join on this project, right? Two weeks of filming, yeah. Whatever. And then, yeah, this is and final then product. this is like, God, man, I just he doesn't need to do that. He does like LeBron James also doesn't need the money, but like, man, Don Cheadle has hella Marvel back end credits, right? <laughs> like, I mean, none of these people really need the money at this point. So, yeah, I it's just a complete flub. On every yeah. single person that took yeah. this, it's and and that's that's another thing to me is that like, be I, I think right the conceit of the show is that none of us are very serious film critics. We're all just dudes that like movies and want to bullshit about movies. But for someone that's like I don't watch that movies that closely, like it, sometimes it's hard to see like what is directing, what what impact does a good director have on a movie? And if you want mm -hmm. a case in point of that, right, like Don Cheadle is again an award nominated actor. He's won many many awards. And he's not good in this movie. He's not directed well. He doesn't. Have, there's no good writers behind him. He's just kind of working with what he's got. And I mean, he's a good actor and he tries his best, but it ultimately doesn't culminate to anything fun at all. So, uh, yeah. If anything, it's, it's a fun exercise in that. But man, this is a very, very joyless movie. Yeah. Well, are we are we ready to give our our final ratings and then a preview of what's next week? Anything else? Anybody? No. I'm seeing nods. So, okay. Okay. Nothing else we want to say. Hank, why don't you start us off? Why don't you give us your, your rosy rating for this movie? Yeah, so I'm not going to say too much more about this movie. You've heard all my thoughts. Um, but I think that I would give this movie, like, a negative 10 out of <laughs> 1, like, bits of, or of, of artistic integrity. You know, like, it doesn't even get a fun rating scale. It just, uh, I, I just want to say, like, all the production elements of this movie, you fucked up. And not, like, a, in an honest fuck-up way, just, like, you know what you did. Negative one out of ten. Or negative ten out of one. Whatever. It's terrible. Uh, Keegan? Oh, man. This movie is atrociously bad. And I... <clears throat> I wanted so bad to like it, man. I like the original. I generally like big summer blockbuster movies. Uh, this movie is a one out of five LeBron dabs at best. And that is a very, very generous rating. There is 
not a single person. A lot of these movies that we watch and I'm like not a fan of, and I'm, I'm sorry, but a lot of Hank Weeks that I just don't connect with them, there's an audience for them. I mean, there's a lot of, of craft and masterful work going on to a lot of these movies that I don't enjoy, and there's an audience for it. And there's absolutely people in my friend group that I'd be like, you should check this movie out. It's not for me, but you'll like it. There's not yeah. a single soul I would ever, ever wish to have to watch this movie. And I would never tell anybody to you know, waste the two and a half hours that they could be doing something better with. So I hate this movie. Uh, hard, hard pass. This is awful. Yeah. I'm, I think the only people that would enjoy this movie are like very, very young kids that have basically no prefrontal cortex that they're like just <laughs> their, their brains are still mostly mush and they see a lot of lights and colors and maybe something they recognize and like, ah, like people that can't talk yet, <laughs> like very young babies might enjoy this movie. Um, as for a rating, yeah, I think two, two out of ten confirmed sexual predators in a kids movie is what I would is what Ooh. I would give this with those <laughs> clockwork orange guys in the audience of the Space Jam. I just w- everybody involved with this, like unless you did it because you really needed the money. Come on, man, you're better than this. Everybody that did this must be better than this. This is just, it's just a a terrible, terrible movie. And the people that made it and made the decisions should feel bad that they did this. They should, they should go home, tell their spouse that they fucked up and they need to own up to it. And uh, yeah, that's, that's how I feel about this movie. But what are we watching next week? It's a Keegan week. Keegan, save us. What is it? Tell us what we're going to watch. It's been a little while. I think the last time we did a Keegan Week was Ghost in the Shell. Is that right? Yeah. It's, it's been a minute. All right. So uh, I don't know what the show has done to my taste, but we're going to take a little bit of a Hank spin on a Keegan Week. We're going to do a little bit of a thriller with some horror elements, sprinkle in some Keegan anime. From that description, you guys want to guess? I have no idea. Any ideas? All right. We're going to be watching the 1997 movie, Directed by Satoshi Kon, Perfect Blue. I'll read the IMDb blurb. This is an animated movie. A pop singer gives up her career to become an actress, but she slowly goes insane when she starts being stalked by an obsessed fan and what seems to be a ghost of her past. This is actually a pretty recent movie. I had not watched this. uh, I think I watched this two years ago. uh, And I had heard a lot of good stuff. Satoshi Kon's a great anime director. Very prolific. He did... uh, Ooh, I'm forgetting the show, uh, but he did a show with a kid with a bat and, and roller skates. I'm sure Hank knows what I'm talking about, but uh, very, very prolific anime director. He did Paprika, which is a movie that probably a lot of people have seen. Um, yeah, this movie is, it's a real, uh, it's a real headache movie. You're going to feel uh, very weird and sad afterwards, but I'm very excited for it. Uh, and I will also say, bit of a spoiler, but we're having a guest, uh, guest host come on next week. Potentially someone from uh, Rotating Reels Past that... Did very well for ratings and fans seem to like a lot. So I'm super stoked for next week. A ghost from our past, maybe? <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Oh, a Turkish ghost. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, we've given enough hints now, Kiki. Yeah, <laughs> we've had two yeah. guests. No, <laughs> Man, I'm excited uh, well, for Perfect Blue, though. It's one of those movies that's been on, like, the I-should-watch-it list for years, and yeah. I haven't seen it. Um, but uh, it's one of those movies that everyone's like, Hank, you like anime. You like really dark stuff. Watch Perfect Blue. And I'm like, I really want to, but I just haven't made the time. Because so, when are you in the mood yeah. for that? When you're like, I could deal yeah. with a, a sad, weird anime movie from the 90s? 
Or maybe you're in that mood frequently. That's I don't Hank know. a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is me directly uh, catering to the Hankophiles of our fan base. So, nice. you know, Perfect Blue. I think I'm it's excited. On, uh, it's on Amazon Prime Video. I think it's a two-dollar rental. But let me tell you right now, as someone who's seen it two or three times, it's absolutely worth the, the rental price. So, check it out. Swing by next week and uh, listen to our review. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Don't watch Space Jam, A New Legacy. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, if you've listened this far and you haven't watched it, you've done a good job. Keep it up. Yeah. <laughs> fight the good fight. <laughs>